This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. You're listening to the best of Todd and Oz on News Radio KLBJ. No, you're not. Nope. Nope. No. <laughs> Wait. Oh. Uh-oh. I can do a sound effect. It didn't work. Hi, everybody. Good morning. We're on the air here. Yes. This is a horticulture hangover. Yes. Um, and uh, who are you? I'm Leah Cherner. Uh-huh. Who are you? I'm Colleen Dieter with right. atxgardens.com. Yes. And we're hoping that you will call us or text us with gardening questions. That's right. What's the number, Leah? The number is 512-836-0590. Okay. Or 877-590-5525. Cool. Call or text. Yeah. Any kind of gardening questions. Yes. So uh, we had a good time. Leah and I worked together yesterday on a design project. Yeah. And... It's really fun working with you. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's cool. I feel like um, we're collaborating well, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's uh, a project in North Austin mm-hmm. where there's uh, a big corner lot where a lot of the there was grass in the backyard that got shaded out right by trees over time. Yeah, and now there's just kind of mud and nothing there. Yeah. And um, there's some erosion issues happening because there's some slope yeah. around the property as well as on the property. Right. And what else? What are some of the other problems that we're trying to solve? Well, they are trying to figure out where to put a cowboy pool. The homeowners oh, want right. a cowboy pool, and they're trying to figure out the best place, which is a little bit tricky because there's a slope and there's some really huge, beautiful heritage trees. And we'll need to put some kind of pad under the cowboy pool, and we don't want to do it in the critical root zone of the trees. And the so. critical root zone? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's tell everybody what that is. Hmm. Well, it's the area around the tree where the tree's roots are, which is really, really, really wide. And it extends out even further than the ends of the branches. And um, there's some good rules to follow about not uh, building anything within a quarter, the inner quarter of the critical root zone. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. How do you figure out the critical root zone? Well, the way I would do it is I would measure the tree, Uh measure the diameter of the tree Uh at chest height and... um, which the way you do that is you measure the circumference, yeah, and then divide it by pi, right? I think so. It's divide by pi, right? Yeah, I think I it is. Remember, and that gives you the that's inches. What, that's what Google is for. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you measure <laughs> the circumference, and then you convert it to the diameter, mm-hmm. and then that gives you the inches, diameter in inches. Yeah, diameter in inches, and then um, and you can translate that into feet. Yes. Um, or not translate that, but but kind of equivalent number of feet. So if it's a 21-inch oak, 
in diameter than 20 feet out from the trunk is mm-hmm. where the critical root zone is. Is that That's right? right. The, the whole thing. Mm, or is yeah, that just... Yeah, and it translates to... It's very... This is confusing. But yeah, it translates to radius for the critical root zone. So like if it's a 21-inch yes. diameter tree, then the critical root zone is going to be um, 21 foot radius from and, the tree trunk. And this is where they have us doing math. Um, I know. Or doing, thinking about geometry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back when I was in high school and I was like, I'll never use it's this. Like, yeah, it's like, oh no, not the areola mm-hmm. circle. Yeah, it's all right. I have a measuring tape. A lot of arborists and foresters use a diameter, special diameter measuring tape that saves you having to do the conversion from circumference to diameter, which is very nice. So I use that. Yeah. I never thought I would have to use pi in my daily life, but here we are. Here we are. 3.14, baby. Yep. <laughs> Magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, we were trying to assess where, you know, to do the least damage of the roots of the trees in the root yeah. zone. Um, where can we put this pool? There's also a dog run. Oh, yeah. They have um, a doggy. They, they wanted to add a dog run, I should mm-hmm. say. Um so some space sure. for the dogs, some space for the people, and just add some plants and some winter, you know, seasonal interest. Yeah, because there's really no plants except for the big trees. Yeah. And it's all muddy and everything. So it's kind of a blank slate in mm-hmm. a way, aside from the trees. A shady blank slate. Shady blank slate, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So it'll be, I think it's going to be really fun. Yeah, and of course there's deer. Um, oh, yeah. Naturally, and... Uh, yeah, up where they are in northwest Austin, there's tons mm-hmm. of deer. That's like the worst deer area, in my opinion. Yeah, and mm-hmm. we're getting a survey of the property because um, the homeowner didn't have one available. Mm-hmm. And we really wanted to get a look at what the topography of the property was. Because yeah. there is a slope and try to figure out like what happens when it when there, we have heavy rain events. Where is the water going? And... Um, you can kind of tell by looking at the landscape by the mm-hmm. patterns of erosion, but it really helps to actually have a topographic map mm-hmm. and um, to also have the locations of the trees marked on there and um, what else? You know, all the da- the deck and the existing walkways yeah. and stuff like that so that we really know what we're working with. Location of all the windows mm-hmm. so we can design for views. Yeah. yeah, so when the homeowners look out the window, they've got something nice to look at. Yeah, It's going to be awesome. Where are the downspouts? Where are mm-hmm. the water hoses? All the things that you need to know mm-hmm. when doing a design. Yeah. So we're going to get that back and then work on a, um, some drawings. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really cool, I think. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if people want to... Um, get in touch with us about such a design. Yes. Where would they go, Colleen? Um, ATXgardens.com, just like Austin, Texas. ATXgardens.com. Yeah. It's um, a two-for-one deal. It is. <laughs> you get both of us yeah. coming over. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Mm. Have you thought at all about what kind of plants for that design? Yeah, it's yeah. really shady. 
And I think there's... No, I'm putting you on the spot. No, I mean, no, it's fine. I mean, I think that yard is shady, so there's going to be... It's going to be the shade plant palette. Um, and there is some erosion, so, you yeah. know, I feel like inland sea oats are going to be in the mix there. Yeah, and they already idea. have some of those in the front yard, so those would be easy enough mm-hmm. to just transplant or get some more... Mm-hmm. Um, Probably going to be some more yopons. Fortunately, oh, yeah. she enjoys yopons. Yeah. Because this is like maybe, you know, but it could be a weeping yopon um, or some different, you know, varieties of them. Yeah. I love the weeping yopons. I think they're so cool. Yeah. They're so one of my favorite they're plants. They're super pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's just a lot. There's a lot of mist flowers and um, different perennials that can do well in the shade. Yeah. And then maybe around the cowboy pool, we do a little tropical, like kind of poolside planting. I like, love. I like the idea of, you know, some cannas and, you yes. know, because cannas are so carefree. Yeah. Gingers. Um, That's a great idea. Leopard plant. Um, yeah. All those things can handle shade. I love tropical vibe around the pool. Yeah. And it's nice because the tropical plants don't shed as much as some other, yeah. you know, they don't drop as many leaves and stuff yes it's like you would hate to have like a crepe myrtle over a pool yeah that would be like the worst thing yes or like a cherry laurel <laughs> yeah i one time had a client who had a cherry laurel over a did you feel like the cherry pool. laurel dropped a lot of stuff yeah the fruits oh. the black fruits and they had this beautiful tile pool deck like you know around the pool this oh. beautiful like moroccan tile and it was oh. just covered in these black I didn't Stays think about the, the cherries. Yeah. Oh, darn. I, I like, would no. have never thought of that because I'm like, oh, they're evergreen and their flowers are so small. I wouldn't think about them dropping like leaves and flower right. petals, but I forgot about the fruit. The fruits are messy. Oh, man. Yeah. What a bummer. But I mean, it was on the neighbor's yard, so like they couldn't do anything about oh, it. Oh, whoa. Um, that's an even bigger bummer. Yeah. But I like cherry um, laurels. I think they're great. Yeah, I do too. Wonderful screening trees. And that might be another option, maybe just not right by the cowboy pool. Yeah. It's a big yard. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. What but, do we yeah, mix of perennials and grasses mm-hmm. and things of different heights. Yeah. I think it should be no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be great. Very cool. Build some beds. And the, I'm glad that the backyard is fenced so we oh, don't yeah. have to deal with the deer in that area because especially in the shade, it really limits the plant palette. Yes, it does. <sighs> what are some other shade plants you like for? Fall asters. Oh, you sure. Know, I'm obsessed with them. Any kind of aster, I'm obsessed with, with them. Um, the tall asters are really cool, too. Like shrimp, those. shrimp. Oh, plant yeah, really well. shrimp plants. Mm-hmm. For sure. The yeah. Mexican honeysuckle. Yes, Mexican honeysuckle is one that I use in almost all of my designs. Um, the forsythia um, sage is really nice too. Oh, yes, it's a pretty fall bloomer. I'm just starting to get to know that plant. Uh, I don't have yeah. a ton of experience with it, but so far I'm really enjoying it. I have a customer who is loves it. It gets really big. Yeah, I was surprised how big it's getting. But it doesn't mm-hmm. need much at all. It's pretty, it's pretty chill. I guess it's we, aggressive, but we I've heard it, that it's aggressive, but mm-hmm. so far it has been fine. We put cages around it because it got kind of top heavy, you mm-hmm. know. 
Um, so we used some tomato cages, like big tomato cages to hmm. help support it, especially because where he has it, it's on a slope. So I think it's even more likely to fall over. And it's a little bit shaded too. So then the plants are like stretching mm-hmm. for the light, you know, so putting some cages on them and yeah. You're making, me, you're making me think of another plant. Oh. One of my favorite plants is for shade is frostweed. Oh, it's a wildflower yes. and it gets really tall. It can get, I swear, 10 feet tall. It can get so tall. Yeah. Um, and it's a perennial wildflower. It blooms in the fall. It's a great butterfly plant and it's gorgeous and big and dense and grows in the shade. It's it's a reliable perennial too. Yeah. And I don't know why it's not more widely available at the nurseries. I think because it has a taproot and it's, I think you have to plant oh, it for the seed. Oh. I think okay. it's one of those. It's kind of like, I mean, I wish people would sell transplants of it, but I oh. do too. I think we need to go into a break here. All right. Time we'll be back. Our first break. Thanks, y'all. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Okay, we're back. I'm Leah. Yeah, that's Leah Turner with Delta Dawn Gardens. Yes, deltadawngardens.com. And across from me is Colleen. Colleen Dieter with atxgardens.com. Mm-hmm. And we have some text messages with questions. Uh, This one says, hello, hangover show, smiley face emoji. Uh, Question about cannas after the blooms are brown. Do you cut back just below the bloom or along the base of the stalk? Will they bloom again from that stalk? How can you increase blooms on cannas? Thank you. Yes, good question. Yeah. Each uh, stalk that it puts up mm-hmm. is going to have maybe like four or five blooms on it. Oh, okay. Um, and you can kind of see where they are just by kind of looking at the plant. And once all of those blooms have gone off, it's time to cut the whole thing down to the ground. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't so know that. They don't continuously bloom on the same stalk. They have like a couple, you know handful of blooms on one stalk you know one will be at the top and a couple will be at the sides and then after those um have bloomed um they're not going to bloom again so you cut it down and that's how you get more more blooms it's just by keeping to cut them back and they grow back really fast that's cool i didn't know that it's kind of like an iris you know how irises will you know only have so Mm. many blooms on one um on one leaf That makes sense. So, yeah, that's that's the way that I do cannas. And okay. Yeah. Awesome. That's great advice. I'm gonna try that with mine because mine are kind of neglected. They're in the back of the back backyard. Mm. And I don't really pay attention to them. Maybe you'll so. divide some and give them to me. Oh, I will. <laughs> yes, I know. You know, I grew them from seed. Really? Yes. Dang. I got the seeds from a seed swap, and I was like, hmm. I wonder if this will work. And they all came up really easily. I was so surprised because I've only ever heard of dividing them. So that was so cool. That's crazy. Yeah. Recently, my friend Holly was like, oh, I've got these can of seeds. Like, you want them? And I was like, no, we're we're 
not, they're not going to do anything. Don't grow granites from seeds. It's too hard or whatever. But yeah. Whoa. I was shocked. Yeah. I was really surprised. Bulbs so, from seed. That's pretty cool. It was very cool. I was like, wow, these are the best plants ever because they're just giving and giving. And you can you know? eat them? Yes, I have eaten them. The, bulb, the bulbs. The bulb part. It's kind of hard to explain. But there's like a culinary variety, right? There's not, you don't just eat all of them. I ate one in my yard. Okay. It was fine. It wasn't super exciting. It was like, this is okay. You know? (laughs) And then you can also use them as like wrappers for like grilling and and steaming. Oh, really? Uh You can use the leaves in that way? Yeah. Like you would with the root beer plant or the Oja Santa? (gasps) Yes. That's like another good plant for the shade. Yes, and that reminds me. I think mine didn't come back this year. I haven't seen it. Huh. Yeah, that's such a great plant for shade gardens. My gosh. Huh. I have to look and see if it's just covered up by other plants. <laughs> and like a nice transition from kind of a cool tropical kind of vibe to a more native perennial mm. vibe, probably. You've got your creative juices flowing. Yep. Yeah, that's a great idea. All right. We have another more, text message. Yeah. Let's see. Let me get to this. Good morning. Great show, Miss Dieter. Thank you. Um, I bought some crepe myrtles that are in a pot, and I want to keep them in a pot because I want to grow them and take them with me to my next house, which will be in about three years. Is there a general pot size ratio for the pot to height of the crepe myrtle? And... um. I think it's hard to talk about like a ratio like that, but there's definitely some good indicators for mm-hmm. when a tree has outgrown a pot. Um, for one thing, if it gets top heavy and keeps falling over, then it's definitely needs to be in a bigger pot. Um, and the other thing is if you are watering the pot and you notice most of the water just rushes through and comes out of the drainage holes in the bottom of the pot. That generally means uh, it's time to bump it up to the next bigger size pot. A couple more. A couple more. Yeah. This is Leah. Great. This is not Ms. Dieter. This yes. is Ms. Turner here. Um, <laughs> if roots start coming out of the bottom of the pot, oh, yeah. it's kind of hard to tell, I guess, with a big grape myrtle, but... Um, they will eventually try to root out of the drainage holes and into the ground. Yes. So that's an indicator. Um, and sometimes you can just tell by just trying to scoot the pot over if it's if it's not able to move. If it's like a plastic nursery pot that you can't move it, that's usually an indicator that it's starting to root in the ground. Yes, very um, smart. Yeah, that's a good one. And let's see what else. Yeah, I don't think there's an exact ratio. I wonder if you could, you know, if you wanted to save them for later planting, would it be possible to root prune a crepe myrtle, Colleen? Yes, I think so. Uh, They're such vigorous vigorous trees uh, that I I wouldn't recommend it with shade trees. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think you could with a crepe myrtle. Yeah, so that would entail mm. just trying to keep it small, almost kind of like a bonsai kind of thing. And you yeah. you turn it on its side and pull the pot off of it and cut off um, a couple inches of roots and fill it back in with soil, and then it'll keep growing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it'll keep it 
relatively small because, yeah, like there are fast-growing trees. So mm-hmm. if you want to save them for a future planting, that's one way. And that's just a container gardening method that people use to keep plants mm-hmm. in containers for years and years, you know, the same yes. plant that keeps growing. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Then you wouldn't have to get a bigger pot. Mm-hmm. You know, you can keep, you can control the size of the tree until you get into your new house. Yeah, and then when mm-hmm. you plant it in the ground, it'll be... It can grow to its normal size. As big as it wants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. That's a great idea. Well, Leah, do you want to give the phone number again? Sure. The phone number is 512-836-0590 or 877-590-5525. You can call or text, and we are going to go to a break in a few minutes or a few seconds here okay and yeah let's go to the break now okay welcome to the horticulture hangover on news radio klbj you're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn garden trees and more here are your hosts colleen Dieter and leah turner hello good morning good morning, good morning. i'm leah i'm colleen Dieter. yes with atxgardens.com. Yes, and I'm Leah Turner with Delta Dawn Gardens, deltadawngardens.com. Yeah. .com. Okay. Uh, we mentioned a certain plant during the break, uh, during our ad for Hill Country Water Gardens. Yeah. What, what was it? It Mystic was Spires. Mystic Spires. A hybrid salvia. Yes. Salvia farinacea, I believe. Yeah, it's the farinacea is the mealy blue, mm-hmm. and it's some kind of hybrid of that or cross. Yeah. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> but you said you wanted to talk about it a little bit. Well, I don't have much experience with it. I was wondering if you've ever grown it. Oh. Honestly, I get it confused with the indigo spires, yeah. which I have grown more. I think it's yeah. just darker. And I think it's shorter. Oh, I think it was bled. I think it was bred to be shorter, so it doesn't fall apart the way that the indigo spires falls apart. Okay, so yeah, this says it grows eighteen to thirty inches tall, so that would be shorter than the indigo spires, yeah. which get tall. But you can cut them back. Yes. At this time. If they get tall? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the middle of the summer at this time of year, you can cut them in half. Well, and I've, they'll branch out. I've got some, I've got a lot of burning maintenance questions. You do? Uh, yeah. I mean, burning, I wish burning, I could go burning. to a class to learn about perennial plant maintenance. Well, your burning desire is about to be quenched. Soon. By my class today, okay, at the Natural Gardener. <laughs> what, is, what an incredible segue! <laughs> uh, I'm teaching a class. This is Colleen Dieter. I'm teaching a class at the Natural Gardener today at ten o'clock. What's the name of the class? It's called um, "Let's Care for Texas Plants and it's Maintenance of Native Plants." Perennial maintenance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll be talking about how to cut stuff back, what needs to happen at this time of year, um, soil care a little bit. So join me. It's free. And what time? 10 o'clock. Okay, well, so I'll be people got to get 
get ready and go down there. Uh-huh. So you can listen to Jeff on the way <laughs> to Natural Gardener. Yeah. And uh, come and see me and my natural habitat where it all started at Natural Gardener. Yeah. That's where Leah and I met, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was teaching the same class. Oh, that's right. It yep. was the same class. Yeah. <laughs> and you talked about mm-hmm. cutting back lantanas and... Man, that was so yeah. long ago. That was... What year was that? Do you remember? 2014? Whoa. Yeah. We've been friends for almost 10 years. I know. Yay. That's um, cool. Yeah. So that'll be a really useful class um, for anybody who wants to go. Yeah. It's in the tent, you know, good old, good old revival, revival tent. tent at Natural Gardener. Yeah. And it's, it's so tricky right this time of year because it's so painfully hot. Yeah. That all the, you know the whole kit and caboodle of maintenance seems to be just like trying to keep things watered and trying to fix your irrigation when it's broken yeah. and stuff like that. But there are some maintenance tasks that you can do mm-hmm. to keep you kind of connected to the garden, like mm-hmm. cutting stuff back. Yeah. And so I think we've talked a little bit about cutting back salvias, especially the um, herbaceous ones at this yeah. time of year. Um, what are some other things, what are some like, cutting back stuff in the garden that, that people could do. Maybe, you know, cutting those cannas back after they've bloomed. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think uh, there's a lot of plants that are kind of in between. They sort of slow down in their blooming at this time of year, like lantanas. Mm-hmm. They might not stop blooming completely, um, but you can kind of tell they're not at their height of the bloom. And so it's a good time to trim them if they're growing they also reach like their max size at this time of year and so it's a good time to trim them out of walkways if they're you know if you have like sprawly perennials that Mm -hmm. are growing into walkways or if they're growing over their neighboring plants you know what I mean and they're all kind of grown all over each other you can put a little space between them which is what I really think putting a little bit of space between groups of plants um, helps keep like a native plant garden looking a little bit put together and not so overgrown. Because mm-hmm. I think it's really easy with our native plants and a perennial garden to for it to start looking a little bit overgrown at this time of year and it kind of starts to look abandoned. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ratty and abandoned Uh and sad. Uh What do you think about cutting back purple comb flowers, the echinaceas? Oh, yeah. That's a good one. And I I forget about that plant because I don't see them. I don't have them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So they're not at the front of my mind. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think um, the cones will start to turn like a really dark, almost black color when the seeds are ripe. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you can cut the whole stalk all the way down to the ground and leave the rosette of leaves at the bottom. So there's sort of like a circle, a little like kind of shaped like a crown mm-hmm. of little leaves right at ground level. And you can cut the flower stalk all the way down and then you can spread those seeds around uh, because the coneflowers don't live a real long time. Mm-hmm. So spreading the seeds around is a nice way to kind of replace those plants as they 
kind of run their course. Yeah. And they seed themselves. Yeah. Pretty vigorously. Yeah. And they also reproduce by clones. They, right. From their rosettes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, if you're a wildlife gardener, you might prefer to leave some of the coneflower stalks with the mature seed heads on them uh, in place because the birds like to eat the seeds. So you'll get little like finches and uh, I don't know who else comes to those. Maybe chickadees will come to eat those seeds. So you could leave some of them um, for the birds. But I like to remove the dead flower heads because I just don't like the way they look. You know, yeah. a lot of it's personal preference. Definitely. Mm-hmm. But there's some stuff that you would not cut back right now. I'm thinking about like the fall asters, the frost weeds, the white mist flowers, stuff that is uh-huh. going to bloom in the fall that hasn't mm-hmm. really bloomed already. Golden rods. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mexican mint marigolds. There's those things that are really spectacular fall bloomers. You'd want to leave them alone because they're putting their flowering parts together Mm. right now yeah yeah i think especially the mist flowers leave those yeah yeah Mm -hmm. mostly i think of salvias this time of year so oh someone said what did you say about cutting back salvias okay so if you have a tall tall types of salvias like um indigo spires mealy blue Black and blue. Tropical sage. Amistad. Um, Forsythia sage even, mm-hmm. I think. Oh, no, that one's a fall bloomer. Do you want to cut that it? one? No, yeah, because that oh. one doesn't really bloom in the spring usually. It's really only a fall bloomer. So the ones that have bloomed already. Yeah, Henry Dulberg yeah. is my favorite. Um, and so you would cut them, cut off the top half of the plant off the top half of the plant so that way they'll grow back bushier in the fall and then when they go to bloom again in September and October they'll be shorter and bushier and less likely to fall apart because mm-hmm. we get we tend to get like tropical storms and um, a lot of rain in September, October, fingers crossed. Hopefully. And when they have the weight of the flowers on them and they're really tall, the rain will kind of knock them over and uh, kind of ruins the bloom and can also really injure the plant because sometimes they can uproot. So I think it's a good idea at this time of year to cut the top half off. Yeah. And yeah, I'll be talking more about that today in my class. And I'll be explaining how to trim salvia grug eyes. Right. I was about to say Mm -hmm. that when we talked about cutting back salvias, you know, we were kind of specifically talking about the soft herbaceous salvias, not as much the woody salvias. Yeah. Like the salvia gregii, Mm -hmm. which is, gardeners love to argue about, about that one. Oh, yeah. How to cut it back. Mm -hmm. I have my opinion and method of how I do it uh, to keep the plants young and vigorous because they get old and kind of woody and they lose their vigor after a few years and 
they start to look really ugly where they'll have all their leaves just on the outside of the plant and not mm -hmm. nothing on the interior of the plant. And they look like weird lion tails kind of. They get really woody. So I think they really respond well to being trimmed at least once a year, even twice a year. Once yeah. now and once in the winter. Yeah. So we're about to go to another break. Let's do it. Okay. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Hello, we're hey, back. We're back. Yes. A little echo there again. Yeah, hi. We're back. I'm Leah Turner, a landscape designer in Austin with Delta Dawn Gardens. And with me is Colleen Dieter. Yeah, I'm Colleen with atxgardens.com. Leah, can you give the phone number again? Oh, okay. 512-836-0590-877-590-5525. Call us. Yeah. Um, we got some texts here. Okay. I have one. Uh, I'll read this one okay. about the crepe myrtle to you. Okay, cool. Um, someone wrote, I have a crepe myrtle that is 60 to 80 years old. It gets watered once a week. It looks healthy, but it does not bloom much compared to other trees nearby. What is the best care or supplement for this? I have, I also have a 100, an over 100-year-old pecan tree. Same question. Ooh, okay. Um, for the crepe myrtle, a lot of times really, really big crepe myrtles it seems like they don't bloom as much because we don't see the blooms as much if the canopy of the tree is very, very tall. Mm -hmm. You may not be able to see them as well. There's also some varieties of crepe myrtles that bloom more than others naturally. Um, some have just have smaller flowers and aren't as showy as some of the other ones, so it could be the variety. Um I always recommend in the winter uh, removing branches that are crossing into the middle of the canopy so that the tree is uh, vase-shaped. You want to remove branches that are crossing back into the center and crossing each other um, so that the tree gets good airflow uh, because they are susceptible to fungal diseases and bugs. Um, I think a soil test wouldn't hurt too, uh, especially for the pecan trees. I know the pecan trees need certain specific nutrients in order to bloom and, and be really healthy. And um, they also kind of can alternate years. Sometimes they'll produce a lot of nuts mm -hmm. and then the next year they won't produce very much. So it could be that could be off years, um, but I recommend getting a soil test uh, to make sure and tell the soil lab that you're trying to grow pecans and they'll be able to tell you what you need. Yeah, this question is interesting to me because I, you know, 60 to 80 year old crepe myrtle. Yeah. That would mean that that crepe myrtle was planted in sometime in the 40s. And I didn't, I didn't realize that they have been imported into the U.S. that long. I don't know when they when they started Ooh, introduce question. them to the nurseries here. I would like to research that because that would be interesting. Yeah, to know like <clears throat> you know where are the when did they start planting crepe myrtles in Texas? Yeah, they're native to China. 
So that would be interesting to know. Might be a very early one. So that's cool. Okay. The next question, I'm having trouble getting this to load. Okay. Here's a question about, good morning, your thoughts on the black diamond crepe myrtles from Jeffrey in Southwest Austin. Jeffrey, thanks for sending your name. Um, so far I've seen uh, those black diamond crepe myrtles have performed pretty well. And my experiment experience with them. Have you grown any of no. those? No. You know, I'm not a crepe myrtle <clears throat> fan. That's right. Leah does not like crepe myrtles. I have a real prejudice against crepe myrtles. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I think they're doing great so far. The ones I've had experience with have been really nice. Uh, some of the newer varieties of crepe myrtles are very susceptible to fungal diseases and do not perform well. So in general, I tell people to stay with the varieties that have Native American names, um, mm. like stay away from the ones that are called like Razzle Dazzle mm. and stuff like okay. that and go with like Natchez and Tuscarora and um, Muskogee. Hmm. But uh, the ones that are Native American na- have those names tend to be more disease resistant. But so far, Black Diamond seems like it's really a good fit and seems pretty disease resistant in my experience. Yeah, that's a little so. interesting about the Native American names and the disease resistance. Yeah. Um, Here's another question. Yeah. I'll, I'll read it to you, Leah, and you can answer it. Sure. I have a pride of Barbados that is not getting enough sun. When is the best time to move it to a sunnier spot? Thanks. Okay. I would say like March. That would be my suggestion. What do you yeah. think, Colleen? I agree. Yeah, I think er, that time in the spring is the best time for moving a Pride of Barbados because mm-hmm. uh, it'll be after the last freeze. So it'll be safe. You want to protect it from um, cold. Yeah. I mean, it will mm-hmm. be dormant. Um, in the winter. Mm-hmm. So I wonder what, what would happen if you moved it like in December, you know, because it's not actively growing. Yeah, I think moving it in the fall or the winter would be fine. But I think moving it in March would be optimal. Yeah, I think moving, I think moving it before the frost might be, might shock it. Yeah. There's a chance that it could die in the winter if you move it in the fall and it starts growing a little bit and then if it gets like warm if we have some warm temperatures in the winter and it starts growing a little bit and it's not established and then we get a real hard freeze Mm -hmm. I think that could kill it so March would be optimal but you could risk it in fall and winter we got another text. Someone asked if there's a way to listen to your presentation at the Natural Gardener if they can't attend in person. There, I don't believe there is, but there is a, a resource that you have oh, that yeah. you are offering to people today, which is a book about plant maintenance. Tell us about that, Colleen. Thanks, Leah. Um, that's my book called Let's Care for Texas Plants. And it's available for sale um, 
on my website at atxgardens.com. Yeah, and it goes through kind of plant by plant and plant group by plant group and talks about different ways to maintain them and take care of them. So that is my recommendation. If anybody can't get to the natural gardener, go to atxgardens.com and pick up Colleen's book, Let's Care for Texas Plants. It's a useful little zine volume that you can carry around. Uh, Not a big, heavy paper uh, hardback or anything. Yeah. That's why Useful. I designed it. Yeah, thank you. Keep That's, them in your car. Keep mm-hmm. them in your yard. Yeah. Shed. Yeah, I designed it that way so you could carry it around the garden easily when you're out there working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I think we are just about out of time here. Coming up um, on it. Good to talk to you today, Colleen. Yeah. And signing off, I'm Leah Churner with Delta Dawn Gardens. And I'm Colleen Dieter with atxgardens.com. Yeah, we'll be talking to you guys next time. See you next week. Bye.